second, I am joined over video conference by my regular co-hosts, Hilla. Hi. And Ty Miller. Hey, everybody. And uh, Hilla, you were just mentioning that you were out in the woods today doing some fun oh, yeah. activities, some recreation. Yeah, you know, getting out of town a little bit over on the, when I took the boat over to the island, not uh, my boat, the ferry boat. <laughs> And, to um, uh, which island? Yeah, to Whidbey. Yeah. And ended up waiting a long time to uh, <laughs> get get home, sitting in the line for a yeah. long time. They only had one boat going back and forth. So. And uh, what about you, Ty? Have you been out hiking or uh, getting out into the wilderness at all the last couple of weeks? Uh, yeah, most certainly. Um, I believe the last time I went hiking was on Friday. And then um, this weekend has been really kind of quiet. I was going to run a bunch of errands today um, after doing a couple of hours worth of yoga. And then I, I looked into it and I realized that everything was closed uh, because <laughs> of the, the plague. The plague, yeah. The global pandemic. Still yeah, uh, uh, I, uh, my family and I managed to get out to the peninsula. We went out to squim for a weekend. And uh, among other things, I managed to uh, break a small bone in my thumb. While playing badminton. Oh no! <laughs> no! A badminton injury. Yeah, I, I uh, lunged. You know, I, I, I forgot. I sort of forgot that badminton is a casual sport, right? You're not really yeah, supposed yeah. to try very hard at badminton. You, you don't. But I was like running and lunging and trying to catch, you know, volleys and just, you know, uh, the ground. Badminton was, as the, hard as you can. The ground was very uneven, and I had maybe had a couple beers and. Uh, yeah. I lunged forward and, and put my hand in front of me to, to stop my fall. And uh, went, mm. ow! And I thought I had sprained it. And I was like, okay, well, I'll, yeah, I'll just I'll right. just I'll just rest and 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 go easy on this hand for a couple did days. This round out. But then five minutes later, I did the same thing. I lunged for and I put my hand up to catch my fall. And I was like, oh no, this isn't sprained. This is this feels much worse than a sprain. And, oh, uh, man. and uh, I was waiting for it to get better, but it's been about two weeks now and it's still uh, it's still pretty sore. So it is definitely a fracture. Oh, man. Did you go to the did you have an x-ray or no? No, I'm not. I'm not, go- <laughs> not going to the hospital. I'm not going to so the, the hospital. The million, what, what our listeners really want to know, did you get did you hit the shuttlecock or no? I, I I banged the shuttlecock many times, but uh, no, I, I think um you know I don't no, even from the dive. From I don't dive, even remember. I don't even remember if the dive. I'm guessing it was unsuccessful Aww. because I was um I was whiffing all over the place because I guess I'm not really used to how small badminton rackets are. Mm. They're deceptively small, so I was always like maybe an inch away of where I thought it would be. I I think my mind thinks they're more like tennis rackets, but they're not. Mm. You big into tennis? Well, I used to play tennis, yeah. I've never really yeah. played badminton before, so mm-hmm. it was confusing. I mean, it was... <laughs> I couldn't see the, the shuttlecock coming at me because I was looking into the sun, so it was a very... Uh, it was an interesting <laughs> game. I yeah. like badminton. So uh, the last time we talked, uh, the news that we were going on about was uh, the CHOP and the Chaz and the ongoing protests in Seattle, and since that time, the... The chop has been disbanded. It was uh, mm-hmm. they were forcefully routed out of their spot there, but the protests are still going on in Seattle. It's not mm-hmm. like anything has stopped. The, the people who were organizing in the chop are still organizing, and um, they're marching every day, twice a day, and uh, it's still going on, and it's still crazy. And uh, the latest round of escalation was that police have started, I guess, targeting journalists. In some sort of retribution, mm. they uh, just this last week arrested three journalists wow. and put them in jail. 
and left them in jail for a period of time from a couple hours to a day and then released them without charges. And I talked a little bit last week about how I had heard that this was something, an intimidation, an intimidation tactic that the Seattle police use is they will arrest mm-hmm. people and hold them and then release them without charging them as a mm-hmm. way of harassing them. And apparently that is perfectly legal. And it's really insane. I, I get really depressed thinking about it and uh, mm-hmm. how, how the police can be so abusive without any kind of, you know, oversight or, yeah. or so do, do you know the chron- the chronology for this is this something that's happened just recently or is this um, something that's happened since the beginning of the protests or the demonstrations uh, it's been going on since the demonstrations started but just this week there were two incidences where uh, a reporter from the UK and this other woman who, whose name I can't remember but she's been traveling all over the country uh, documenting protests in the past few weeks and, that's interesting uh, yeah is there any evidence that they were singled out or no yes. Yeah. Because the the police came to the intersection and basically pointed to the person that they were going after to get and went through a crowd of people who were blocking them with bikes and pushed them out of the way and uh, and took them into custody. Uh, it That's was wild. Yeah, it was, is. It was, it was, was wild. Was it you that was talking last week about um, essentially the vector tracking with uh, cell phone data? It, was that you that was talking about that or did I pick that up someplace else? Essentially, they're using location of cell phones to track uh, people ostensibly to, to track the spread of the virus. But um, uh, it's leaked into essentially the big concern, obviously, being that it's that they're using it to track protesters. Have you have you heard anything about this? I have. I mean, I know that the that um, the FBI has been doing surveillance on protest crowds looking for agitators and people who are starting violence or um, doing property crime. And I know that the DEA was doing some surveillance. I don't know if they actually have people in the crowds or if they're just looking at videos or they're taking videos from afar and analyzing those videos later or analyzing publicly available video. They're probably doing all of that. I haven't heard anything specifically about cell phone tracking for people attending protests. But when you talk about like using cell phones for contact tracing, I know for sure the government is not doing that because they have not been able to get their act together <laughs> and put together <laughs> a contact tracing program. Just unlike, the usual. Unlike, I mean, they don't even want to. They haven't even, I mean, I think they spent a week trying to do a contact tracing uh, program and then realized it was too cumbersome and... Uh, they didn't have, <laughs> they didn't, they, nobody, they, there's no expertise at the White House. Nobody knows how to deal with this. And the people who don't do, do know how to deal with it have been sidelined and nobody listens to those people anymore. So, yeah. Well, that's a, that's a plus though, I would imagine. I mean, contract tracing is pretty, pretty sketchy because once they implement it for COVID tracking, the, it, it's just going to bleed into other areas that they can use for convenience. You know what I mean? It's just like after 9-11, the Patriot Act, you know, ostensibly to protect us, you know, and it's never repealed. If anything, it's enhanced over time. So I, I, I'm I'm real kind of sketched out about contact tracing, especially leveraging cell phone, you know, signal. That's really sketchy stuff. I mean, I, I was listening to a podcast just recently. Um, I think it was Tim Dillon, and he had, he had a guest on, and they were talking about um, these these companies that are essentially are compiling data, using this data essentially potentially to predict crime by your location, by who you hang out with. They can compile the likelihood that you'll com- that you'll commit a crime. I mean, this is really kind of sketchy stuff. 
Mm. I mean, the possibilities there anyways. I mean, it's obviously, you know, you guys just saw me take off my tinfoil hat. It's actually got a lining of tinfoil on the inside. But Are you feeling a little vulnerable right now? Well, <laughs> that's Without the thing. Pet. I mean, the thing is, is, is what you were just talking about is not the government tracking you. It's, it's private companies tracking you. I mean, Facebook yeah. and Google have more data on the average citizen than the government does. And, uh, you know, that's just one of the, the, the facets of modern life that I find really, you know, oddly confusing is the people who are the biggest conspiracy nuts about the government getting all of their information. Where do they gather and talk about all this stuff? <laughs> On Facebook. They're giving it freely Facebook. to yeah, Facebook. Yeah, they're giving it to Facebook and they don't really yeah. seem to know, they don't seem to understand that a private entity can has absolute freedom to do anything they want with your information, whereas the yeah. government is so tightly regulated in this area, the government, you know, basically can't collect your personal information without mm-hmm. a subpoena or a court order, whereas Facebook well, that- just, you know, just gets it by the bucket load every day. This, this I actually just listened to the Tim Dillon's uh, podcast um, from this weekend a few hours ago, and he was talking about that, that um, essentially they're going to try to shut down TikTok because they're worried about Chinese interference. And he makes that exact same point. And he's like, oh, and you're going to freely give your information to Mark Zuckerberg, but you're going to worry about Chinese infiltration. You know, so it's just it's such a fascinating time that we live in where so much so much of our personal identity or data is just completely exposed yeah the whole tiktok thing is um the tiktok thing is very it's very weird there's so many sides to it because uh on on the one hand uh activists are using it as a tool to organize and and you know spread messages and uh get people to do online activism but at the same time there is some very clear security risks i mean that the cia and the nsa have brought up and um, I think the Indian, the Indian military, the Indian army just uh, passed, just told all of their soldiers that they needed delete, to d- d- delete a list of 18 apps off their phone, including TikTok and Facebook. And the funny wow. thing that I thought was that all of the headlines I read said, oh, yeah, Indian army forces, <laughs> forces soldiers to delete TikTok from their phone. But when you read the article, it's like TikTok and 18 other applications that could give mm-hmm. away secure personal data such as location and things like that to the enemy and facebook was one of them and it's like mm-hmm. of course facebook knows exactly where you are all the time i mean and if you've got the app running on your phone then who knows what other information i mean they could probably turn on your microphone at will and listen to conversations in your, yeah. in, your in your house i'm or, pretty sure it says car. that in the in the uh, <laughs> privacy agreement when you download it and there was some change at some point that said when you use Facebook Messenger on your phone that it has the permission to be listening to your audio at any time. That's why. No, <laughs> no to that. So, so Hilla, just I mean, this is I don't know if our audience knows this or not, but James and Kent and I are really old, and Hilla's the millennial. <laughs> Hilla's the millennial. Do you actually even use TikTok? I've never even looked. I, I honestly don't even know what it is. Uh, I was I was just thinking about if I should ask what what is TikTok. I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm also not a Facebook user. Hill is a millennial, but she's also not. I strongly identify as a Gen Xer. Oh, oh, right on. Good. Gen X stand united. Oh man, yeah, the apps. Uh, So one of the other things that happened right after uh, we wrapped the last episode, I think the day after or the day I posted the episode. Uh, Gavin McInnes was deplatformed from YouTube. They they 
they banned him. They booted him. And um, I think a few days later, Stefan Molyneux was was booted. I don't know if you guys know who Stefan Molyneux is, but he's a... No, who's Stefan Molyneux? Oh, he's a white supremacist... what do they call him he's like a he's like a genetic nazi he's like a eugenicist or he preaches oh. like the the superiority of the white genes or i don't even know i mean i've i've known enough about i mean i've heard his name before uh, i think he's canadian but um yeah so the the proud boys were deplatformed from facebook gavin McInnes was deplatformed the boogaloo boys were deplatformed stefan molyneux were platformed the donald subreddit got taken off of reddit um the chapo trap house reddit subreddit got taken off of reddit which was the uh, i don't know if you guys know what that is but it's the uh the bernie bros socialist um the, what are they called the degenerate liberals go <laughs> the, the degenerate wing the de- degenerate socialists anyway um just like the hard like the hardcore bernie bros all of these people were deplatformed basically for promoting vi- pr- promoting violence mm-hmm. and targeted harassment mm-hmm. against specific groups. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's so fascinating. I mean, that, honestly, I've never I've glanced at Reddit before, but I've never I've never actually explored it. So, I mean, is the is the greater context of the conversation? Um, I mean, I, I would love to steer it in this direction because I I, I think that there is probably a, a lot of different opinions about this. But are you guys for or against the the deplatforming? Do you think that a YouTube or a Facebook or a Reddit should actually, in fact, have the ability to censor content or no? I think it's a really a nuanced conversation. I don't know that if it's like if it's a yes or a no. I say so I, clearly. I I believe um you know they're not they're private companies and they have terms of service and they say in the agreement if you break our terms of service mm-hmm. we can we can kick you off our platform. Yeah, so that's true. so yeah. so it's it's interesting of all places that I heard this argument and I'll try to express it in uh, I'll try to express it as coherently as I can because I'm only ninety five percent convinced of it. But it was um. Okay, let's say you use Facebook, Reddit, Twitter, or one of these other companies to uh, engage in Ill- illegal activities, right? Be it, you know, selling loose cigarettes or, or whatever, right? Um, they, or selling drugs is probably much more likely, right? Should these companies be held responsible for the illegal transactions that are taking place via their service? Yeah, and I think this was this was um this was the Craigslist back page problem. I don't know if you mm. remember this. Craigslist oh, yeah. Had, oh, yeah. had a personal section which was basically where a lot of people advertise their services for in the sex industry, prostitution. Yeah, prostitution, yeah. But it also turned out that people who were human traffickers were advertising on Craigslist and basically Craigslist the the, the person Craig can't remember his last name, Craig Ventner. I can't remember what his Mr. name is. Mr. Craig. Mr. Craig was was confronted about this and, you know, saying, are you aware that, you know, there's, you know, this, this sex trafficking trade going on in the personal section of your of your website? And what are you going to do about it? And I think for, for years, maybe two years or more, he they, they said, it's not my problem. You know, this mm-hmm. is just a platform. People do what they mm-hmm. want to do on, on our platform. And um, eventually they had to banish that area of their site and you know beef up their their terms of service and the way that they police that kind of stuff because Mm -hmm. they were getting sued they were getting people 
they were getting targeted for harassment and public opinion and people were boycotting their site and they eventually had to uh you know cave to that kind of pressure and that's a you know that's a different it's a two-way street facebook can say oh yeah we're just enforcing our terms of service but oftentimes facebook does not enforce their terms of service right. unless the user base comes to Facebook and says, we demand you enforce your terms of service against this person, this group. So yeah, the, the, the pressure comes from a variety of different places. Not only what is, what, what are they culpable for legally, but what will their users actually stomach before they, mm-hmm. they hold the company accountable? Oh, and is it true that it's a difficult to police that kind of thing? Like, as far as a large entity like Facebook, it's difficult to f- have algorithms that actually find, say, offensive users or posts or groups or something like this. Like, is that true? Ac- accurately, it's nearly impossible. I mean, you're talking about millions of transactions, like hundreds of millions of transactions per day. Yeah. So an, an algorithm, you know, an algorithm may detect one word, but what if it's in a, a joking context or something like this in a, a yeah. user gets unintentionally blocked or something like this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously the classical argument is this, right? If I engage in some sort of crime using my T-Mobile telephone, is T-Mobile or can T-Mobile be held accountable uh, for the crime that I've committed, the commission of the crime that I've committed or facilitating it or being compliant in the crime? Obviously not, right? So I mean, it's okay with me if T-Mobile is held accountable. <laughs> well, let's put it this <laughs> way. <laughs> the real problem, the real problem, right? The real problem in the real nuance of this conversation is what we're giving Facebook and Twitter and these other platforms the ability to do is to select whoever they want and censor them. So even if it is their platform, even if they're allowed to selectively censor people, if they're going to have the ability to censor, then they should be held responsible for the people that are committing the crimes. That's the that's, argument. Well, that's that's actually a legal argument that's being happening right now because uh, if they're a platform and they just say anybody can use it, the way the law is written right now, they're not responsible for the actions uh, or, the, or the content that people post. But if they do start selectively banning and blocking people or annotating <laughs> tweets saying, you know, this is disinformation, then theoretically they're acting like a publisher. And if you're acting like a publisher with some sort of editorial integrity about what can and cannot appear on your platform, then that falls under a different, a different set of laws. So, so far these, these companies have been regulated like utilities. They're platforms that anybody can use. Now, Oh, I'll, I'll, there's two there's two things that I want to talk about. One, the the algorithm, the training AI to look for offensive or violent or material that that goes against terms of services. I do not think it is that hard a problem. I think people are making it out to be more of a hard problem than it could. I think Facebook mm. can easily do this and does do it because what you can do is not only flag offensive content. You don't need to block anybody. You just need to flag offensive content, flag the user in a database somewhere. And then when that user hits a threshold of like, oh, okay, this is a chronic, trollish, bad behavior kind of thing. Like we're not just flagging this account once a day or twice a day or three times a day. This is like like every five minutes or every half hour or so. This, this account is getting flagged. That should then get elevated up to somebody's desk somewhere where they go, okay, here's a problematic user. And, you know, other users report users. So a lot of time, these the people at Facebook, they depend, or Twitter, they depend on other users and their reporting functions to flag the problems. They don't actually go out and do anything. Um, what's the word? Um, 
<laughs> they're completely reactive. They're not proactive, right? They're not out there proactively searching. They have algorithms and AI that do that. The people who are proactive are the users, and then they react when enough users flag an account or a group of accounts. Now, the other thing is that um, T-Mobile, if they were reading your text messages and saw you talking about selling drugs and sexually trafficking people and murdering people, and they knew about that and they didn't report it because for some reason they were generating a lot of revenue from whatever you were doing on their service, then yes, they were they could be held legally accountable. I mean, and you know, you can't arrest T-Mobile, but you could certainly find them and uh, have them change their terms of service and have them change the way that they operate if that was in fact a problem. You know, if they were authorizing if if a but if like a phone company is like taking a cut of all the payments that it authorizes or something, you know, there's a service like that that's going on where it's obvious that they're profiting from some sort of money laundering scheme, then they can easily become held, be, be held accountable. But proving that in court is a different thing. Proving that in court is the hard thing, you know, and you don't need to go after the carrier if you can actually find the criminals. And this was, you know, this comes back to the Edward Snowden thing. If you dig through all of the metadata, everybody's personal metadata on your phone, you can see who is, you know, communicating with terrorist networks or money laundering networks or criminal networks. And um, the government can't do that. The government is not legally allowed to do that, even under the Patriot Act, even though the Obama administration did start doing that to uh, look for uh, terrorists within the United States. Edward Snowden basically <laughs> blew the lid on that, and that's why he's in Russia, because uh, he was saying, hey, they're, they're doing some unconstitutional spying, looking at metadata, and uh, that's illegal. And so theoretically, they had to stop that, although I doubt they ever did. For yeah, of course, they, of course they did. <laughs> You know the, the the real question the real question regarding that is that the expression of like where's the bodies because I, I I don't personally know of anybody that's been picked up by the FBI combing meta metadata you know presumably they're looking for really bad people and the people that I mean obviously I don't know anybody that breaks any laws so that's <laughs> that's, that's why that's why I haven't been I, I know haven't, people haven't who have I don't know them personally but I have heard about people who have been put under FBI surveillance for something that they posted on Facebook. Wow. You're kidding me. No. No, because if you're posting, I mean, if you're posting, like, pictures of yourself holding an AR-15 and stuff like, you know, all people in this ethnic group <laughs> should, should die, that's a flag. You know, that's going to get flagged yeah. somewhere. That stuff is public, and the FBI does, does I, mean, they, I mean, Facebook are not the only people watching Facebook pages. Sure. If, yeah. you're, if your Facebook account is public, anybody can come in and scrape that. Well, that's why Hilla got rid of her Facebook account because she was doing a lot of bikini work with uh, AR-15s. AR yeah, well, you know, that's how I make my money, man. It's honest. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just such a the whole the whole Facebook culture is just such a it's such an interesting thing, anyways. It it, it honestly seems like it's kind of going away. I mean. I have a Facebook account, but honestly, I don't think I've posted anything on it in a year. You know, I mean, I'll I'll flip through because I belong to a couple of um, naked in nature Facebook groups that I like to prove. <laughs> but that's that's about it. The rest of it, you know, people's people's opinions, uh, people's opinions are just you know, right. it's so difficult to it's so difficult to parse. The truth, and if somebody posts some sort of graph on Facebook that indicates anything, it's at best suspect. You yeah. know, it's just... it seems bad for culture and bad for intelligence, and 
bad for relationships and bad for our eyes and our brains and <laughs> seems just yeah did i say bad for culture yeah like it's bad for culture twice now <laughs> yeah it's bad for culture <laughs> yeah i have a facebook page that i never go to anymore i don't ever go on facebook and i have like i don't know like a hundred messages and a bunch of friend requests that i never oh, that sounds res- terrible i never respond to yeah. um every once in a while i have to pop over <laughs> to facebook to look at like a video or something that somebody has posted that you could only read there. And, you know, it shows me that, you know, and I'm like, ah, I just can't, you know what? I, <laughs> and then you feel really I, depressed and you don't know why I do because it's like, Oh, I don't want Super to, bored. I don't want to like just completely ignore all these people, but I don't want to engage on but Facebook. I do. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, yes. I mean, maybe I, it is easier to ignore them, but I do feel a personal sense of like, well, they reached out. I mean, I should actually try to reach out back sure. to them and just yes. let them know that I got it. So if you did, if there's anyone out there who tried to friend me on Facebook or send me a note on Facebook, I probably will never respond to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it has nothing personal to do with you. There's also a Dose Nation group Facebook page, but I don't run it and I don't have anything to do with it. And it mostly got started back uh, in like, 2012 or 2013 uh when me and jake kettle were doing the show so it's a lot of the people from back then who are still kind of holding on to that uh you can find me on twitter i go to twitter a couple times a week to uh if if it's a if it's a busy news day i go to twitter to see what's Mm -hmm. going on um just to you know see people's reactions and uh i'm more active on twitter in election years because I like to see what's trending, what the mood is out there, what the level of bot activity is out there, you know, what kind of messages are being pushed. Uh, it's a good way to catch sort of a, a taste of what's going on in the propaganda sphere. Hilla, do you use Twitter at all? I think I used Twitter four times, maybe like 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm about the same. I uh, There's a lot of stuff on it that I don't understand. A yeah. lot of things happen. And then it's just, I feel like, <laughs> a lot of I, feel words. like it's just, I feel like it's just too difficult to pay attention. That was my, my problem with Reddit is it's like, why would I want to read something that someone else wrote about something that I'm interested in? You know what I mean? <laughs> I could just, I could just look into the source. Uh, Does that make any sense at all? Yeah. yeah. I feel differently about Reddit since they used to employ me back in my <laughs> university days. <laughs> so you're a shill is just what you just said, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're working for Reddit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was used to be paid by university to uh, read Reddit. <laughs> Reddit is one of those interesting ones because I don't ever really go on Reddit. I mean, every once in a while, I, I will. Someone will send me a link to someone and say, did you see this? And I will go read a subreddit or a thread or some comments or whatever. But I know there's a lot of good stuff on Reddit that I'm missing. There's a lot of good user groups that are talking about mm-hmm. not political things or not trolling things. But their, I mean, their genesis came out of like something awful 4chan group of miscreants and misanthropes that, you know, made a slightly more public and friendlier place for people to post. And that became Reddit. And so I think it still has a lot of that troll origins in its DNA. Um, So are they are they censoring uh, Reddit? Do you know? Well, Reddit just uh, just uh, dumped the Donald uh, there was a there was a subreddit called the Donald, which was uh, you know Donald Trump fans, MAGA supporters, and uh, my uh, my youngest child is a fan of the Donald because uh, whenever Trump goes on a tweet storm, 
They like to go in to the Donald and see what all the chuds are 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 whining about or, you know, flaming about or fanning about. Uh, I'm sorry, what is a chud? A chud is <laughs> a chud is like a is like a young maggot male, like a young pro Trump male who would like wear a wear a maggot hat or a like a proud boy would be a chud like anybody who's like a show like a bro like a bro yeah like, like 102 a, iq bro. like a like a like a political bro from the alt-right is okay is kind of what a, ch- a chud Ooh. would be yeah okay and i think you know okay. who, who are these people because i <laughs> who are these people because i don't i don't they, feel like i know any uh, you know yeah they're you know they don't go out a lot like you i mean who does anymore but <laughs> They're, yeah, they're on the internet. I mean, like the Boogaloo Boys, it's like they've been on the internet for years, but nobody ever heard of them until they like started showing up in public at, at the protest rallies uh, these this last you know couple months. And then within within weeks, they're ba- they're like completely deplatformed. Facebook just, I mean, they've been on Facebook for years. They've been there for years, talking about starting the revolution and you know the race war. And they're like. So many Boogaloo Boys threads are like, no, we're not racist. We're just trying to start a race war to take down civilization. Race war, like, like yeah, handsome yeah. race war? Well, 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 well hold on. There, there is still – there's some stuff to unpack real quickly here, right? Because because I'm obviously not a fan of Donald Trump, right? But I would defend anyone that is a fan of Donald Trump to have a platform to spread their propaganda. You know, I mean it's obviously lies to me, but to them it's the truth, Right. So what do you guys feel about well, uh, what they do you guys were, feel about the they were, being deplatformed? Okay. So here's the problem is that the uh, rhetoric against liberals and black people and anybody who supports the Black Lives Matter protests, the rhetoric against those people or against Antifa became increasingly violent, violent and extremist on that board. And when there were things like people getting run into by cars with cars, protesters getting hit by cars, which happened here in Seattle. We haven't talked about that yet, but the ramming, these people would, every time a protester got rammed on the Donald, they would cheer, they would applaud, they would have like a little party. And I'm not surprised that they they got banned because, you know, like you, I don't care. They can have as much political speech as they want. And I don't even care if there's hate speech, particularly um, as long as it's not targeted towards, towards a specific individual or talking about taking a specific action. But when you get that, when you cross that line of, yeah, our free speech is now becoming some sort of radicalized agenda, that needs to be taken seriously, especially when there is violence in the streets and these people are cheering it on. You yeah, know, yeah, when, yeah. When, when, when people got shot in the Chaz, yeah. everybody on that board was laughing and clapping. Well, and is, like, it, is it fair to say everybody... Or is it fair to say that maybe two percent of the people are bad actors and they were clapping? <laughs> I I have it's 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 the majority. I mean, the I, I believe that forum was moderated really well a couple of years ago, or I mean even maybe six months ago. But um, I think it has become increasingly bad, which is why it was taken down. Just like the Chapo Trap House, I don't know if you guys know them, but they are. So they're, they're a bunch of Bernie bros. And I think after <laughs> Bernie got, you know, knocked out of the primary and Biden became the candidate, that subreddit also became an increasingly extremist and, and agitating. And they, though both of those got taken out on the same day. Wild. Hello. What do you think? Do you think, um, do you think that these, these, um, 
sites should be deplatformed or these these voices should be deplatformed? Or what's your opinion? <sighs> yeah, uh, it's something I've been thinking about. Um, I, you know, I've been thinking about the idea of how much space is being occupied on the internet by what, and what do people look at? Like what, like Facebook, for example, is. I don't know the numbers, but most people, certainly most Americans use Facebook, right? And maybe they use Facebook when they don't, you know, regularly research something or they don't, you know, check other news sources. That's their main way of interacting with media. And if that's the stream of information that they're receiving most commonly, and that stream of information comes with a bunch of hateful information or a bunch of misinformation or, um, you know, something like this, then that's what is basically programming a, a person that they're absorbing into their consciousness to believe. So it's sort of, it just, I think it's a tricky thing. It's also become this weird thing where um, conservatives, the right wing, are increasingly saying that they're being censored online, that they're being targeted, that their voices are being censored online. But if you look at what the top posts on Facebook are every day, it's from people like Ben Shapiro and the Daily Caller, and those posts are getting like super promoted over like I mean you look at the top ten most influential people on Facebook, and it's all people from the right wing. Um, you know, maybe maybe in your feed. No, no, th <laughs> these are these are the statistics that are posted publicly. Of no, I don't even I don't even look at my feed. These are just the <laughs> these are just the people in the posts with the most engagement on Facebook, as reported by Facebook. So yeah, I, it I, has I honestly don't know. I I don't I don't um I don't um pay that a close attention. But so the, the real counterpoint, the real counterpoint I feel to this to this argument, right, is that we all agree that Facebook isn't really necessarily a place to get your news from. But then, I mean, the, we have the, the most bifurcated news sources that there are in Fox News or in uh, CNBC or CNBC. M what is it? MSNBC. In, in, in MSNBC, right? Yeah. I think it also like, depends you, on what you mean by news. Like, do you mean information and happenings around the world or do you mean like fifth grade reading level <laughs> entertainment presented by fear voice of white people? <laughs> I was I was using news as a colloquialism. To, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, but but you see what I'm saying is like is like and and okay and here here's the here's what I've been thinking a lot about too is like the the televangelists right they they have whole they have multiple stations yeah. right they have multiple stations of people that are essentially just out there conning people right. And there doesn't seem to be this massive outcry to like stop the that kind of conning. But when it becomes political, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, people get really uh, I don't know, kind of attached to it, especially on Facebook or, or one of these other platforms. But at the at the end of the day, it's like why not go after Fox News or something like this? And and, and to be honest with you, I, I I don't really know enough about this, but I would just have to assume that the the left has as many. Uh, extreme Facebook threads or whatever you would say as the right does, right? Maybe they're not calling for violence. Maybe they are calling for violence, but I can't imagine that there isn't someone on the left calling for violence. Well, that's why the, that's why the Chapo, that? that's, that's why the Chapo trap house was taken down. I mean, they were socialist, they were socialist agitators essentially. And, you know, from the left. Um, yeah. I think the problem is more, it's, I think it's more often, targeted harassment of individual groups 
you know, whether it's ethnic groups, Muslims, black people, the LGBTQ community, community, trans people. I mean, there's a there's a group of targets that all of these right wing people like to go after for fun and or, you know, to build their base, just to, to spout their propaganda. And those people are tolerated usually for a long time. I feel like those people are tolerated for a long time and then eventually they cross a line and people turn on them and or or people get wind of just how nasty they are being and uh, they get canceled. And I'm surprised that more people don't get deplatformed. I mean, there's still plenty of people on Twitter that are just vile. I mean, blue check people, people who, you know, this is their real name and this is their profession. This is what they do for a living is they spew hateful stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I and, mean, Rush Limbaugh started that, didn't sure, he? Sure, I mean, Rush Limbaugh built his own platform. I mean, he's got syndicated radio. Uh, Alex Jones was deplatformed a few years ago, but he's still going. He's got his own website, and he can he can publish as many videos as he wants. He doesn't need YouTube and Facebook to do that. He just can't generate revenue from those sources anymore. That's the biggest thing. It's like, we're not going to let you use our platform to make money off of this violent hate speech. Well, does, could could he could he potentially? I mean, Alex Jones has millions of dollars. Couldn't he set up streaming servers or no? Do you think that would be? No, untenable? he still does. They do. They post. Yeah. They have a different streaming source now. There's, you know, there's like a bunch of different places competing to be the like white the white ring, <laughs> white wing, right wing. Excuse me, people. The alt, <laughs> the nice. alt white, white nationalist, alt nationalist, alt right, whatever. Uh, yeah. to be the platform for, for that group of people. And one of them is called BitChute, spelled B-I-T-C-H-U-T, but it sounds a lot like bitch shoot. Like, like that's like a very misogynistic pun. I don't know who created that, but uh, when my kids were talking about it the other day, my wife said, excuse me, what did you say? Yeah. <laughs> Bit, bitch shoot? I was like, oh, God, that does sound really bad. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, yeah. This is it's a it's an interesting time. I mean, uh, people who get deplatformed, you know, they don't have a lack of places to whine and complain. You know, they. I mean, one of the most successful things I think that has happened is when Milo Yiannopoulos got canceled from Twitter in like 2017 or 2018. That guy just disappeared. I was like, wow, that worked. <laughs> You know, I didn't see him come back. I mean, it was like, wow, crazy. I didn't hear from him at all again. But then, like, someone like Laura Loomer gets deplatformed, and you can't stop. I mean, personally, I can't stop hearing about what Laura Loomer's up to now. It's just, you know, she was taken off of multiple platforms. She can't even, you know, use Uber or Lyft anymore because she made fun of Muslim Uber drivers. And- you know, it's you know, it's funny too because you know why Milo got deplatformed ultimately, right? pedophilia like essentially oh right right because he 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 had talked about how he essentially had had sex with uh i think i'm gonna go out on a limb and say a priest when he was 12 or 13 years old and he claimed to have seduced the older priest and he said that he didn't find anything wrong with that and people came after him and said you're essentially advocating for pedophilia and then that is like that's the scarlet letter right there right sure well (laughs) yeah you would think there seem to be a lot of <laughs> a lot of pedophiles running around in our uh, halls of power in the United States of Oof. America right now, uh, uh, and I'm not talking about the QAnon fake pedophiles. 
I'm not talking about the secret pedophiles. I'm talking about the ones that everybody <laughs> knows about uh, that still aren't in jail. Or I guess some of them are in jail or dead now. So, uh, mm. you know, justice is slow sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Uh, yeah. There was this letter from Harper's Magazine. Did you guys hear about that this week? Mm. The uh, cancel culture letter? Oh, I haven't seen it. No, <laughs> I guess that was mostly a Twitter thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I just learned about cancel culture, actually, like maybe <laughs> a week and a half ago. I heard this for the first time. A friend was telling me about it, and I was trying to understand, and I spent a little bit of time reading posts about sexual predators in the electronic and sort of like hippie spiritual mm. music scene and then sort of like following this description of like cancel this person or yeah. cancel this you know basically deplatforming as yeah. i understand cancel culture mm-hmm. i think is um uh, you know we, we talked about it a little bit about daniel pinchbeck you know people just mm-hmm. shouldn't invite him to be mm-hmm. speaking about anything unless it's yeah. you know a mea culpa for what he is you know and anyway cancel culture has basically been about sexual predators like you said mm-hmm. um you know comedians getting called out online or public figures getting called out online and canceled for being um you know sexual predators and mm-hmm. you know people having receipts text messages and so on saying cancel yeah. this person and uh I don't think there's been a whole lot of pushback against that. What this Harper's letter was about was about things like, um, what's her name? J.K. Rowling, the author of Harry Potter, has a bad habit of going off on Twitter about transgender people, right? And it's Shut not, up, J.K. Yeah, it's, not, it's, <laughs> like, it's like, first of all, nobody asked you. And yeah. second of all, you're not an expert, so shut up. You know, well, and well, she, she goes well, on wait. saying, I'm so concerned that young people are being pushed into gender conversion therapy when we don't know the full. And people are like, shut up, J.K. <laughs> shut up. You're, unless yes. you have, you know, a transgender child or a non-binary person that you're taking care of and nurturing through life. Don't. Why? Why are you commenting on this? So there was a soul move to cancel J.K. Rowling from the last couple <laughs> well, of weeks hold, ago. Hold on, yeah. Though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hold on though. Okay. Like if you're if you're following J.K. Rowling, like presumably there's a reason for it. I mean, I, I don't really know why. I don't follow anyone, so I don't know yeah. why anyone would follow anyone else. But at the <laughs> at the end of the day, like like why can't she say what she wants to say? Like I, I don't understand. She can, but she wants to say whatever she wants without any repercussions, right? She just wants to say whatever she wants to say without people going. Um, that's a shitty take and you should shut your mouth. I mean, mm-hmm. and that's and that's basically what this letter, this this Harper's letter was. It's basically like people in the public eye should be able to write and say what they want without fear of losing their jobs or having some sort of um, boycott against them or um, some sort of retribution in the workplace. And it's like, well, no, that you can't have, you can't say all speech is free of results you know does it work like that in any other realm or free of repercussions you know i would just like to do what i want and not have any consequences yeah i don't want anyone to have an opinion about anything that i do or say just stop just and i understand the letter 
hold on though is this yeah. is this being is this being fair to the reality of the situation what do you mean by she expected not to have any consequences what do, what do we know or, or or what does that mean can we unpack that statement Did, was she complaining about what people had replied to her or something like this i don't understand well she she was one of the co-signers of this letter this harper's letter was about three paragraphs long and it basically was saying you know free speech is a cornerstone of our culture and free speech and debate and when people start facing repercussions for voicing valid opinions, it, you know, it sends a chilling effect that narrows the spectrum of discourse in our society. And I so understand this is, this why people... This is interesting, though. This is interesting. Well, that we, go ahead. Maybe it narrows the cor discourse for people who don't have something, you know, intelligent to say or, you know, like, <laughs> it, maybe there should be some pushback there. Yeah. And that's and this is the point is is people got all upset because it's I mean people on Twitter didn't I mean we're sort of laughing at this letter like you're basically saying you should be able to write and publish any opinion you want with no repercussions just because of freedom of speech. And but what are the re what are the repercussions that you're referring to? Are you are you suggesting financial penalties? Someone disagreeing that a with you and show up at her house. It's like, anything. Yeah, it's anything from people being mean to you on the internet to boycotting you, to lobbying your employer to have you fired, to targeted personal harassment, you know, emails and stuff like that. I guess I guess the corollary that I'm trying to, to draw here, right, is if you're having targeted action against an individual, didn't that fit your criteria for deplatforming people? <laughs> What do you mean? If if people are if people are like, hey, let's gang up on J.K. Rowling, all of those people should be deplatformed. Well, I, I don't know because that was one of your criteria for deplatforming people is if they were targeting an individual for some sort of reprisal. If there was a single person who was leading a charge to cancel J.K. Rowling and was coming at them viciously every day for weeks, that might cause somebody to go, all right, this is this is too much. I think it was just a general sort of sense of everybody on Twitter saying, nobody asked you, J.K. Rowling, go away. No, yeah, so, so I'm not, I'm not reading my, I'm not reading Harry Potter to my kids anymore. You know, it's basically yeah. like, we're boycotting you now, J.K. Rowling, because we don't Stop like your shitty space. takes. Yeah, we don't like your yeah. shitty opinions on Twitter. And you know, the same so, thing happened to Roseanne Barr. I mean, she got canceled from her own show because she made some bad jokes on Twitter. And people were like, we don't like you anymore. <laughs> so, okay, so, okay, so... First of all, I want to make this very clear. Um, I'm not really 100% sure what happened. And what I'd like to uh. suggest is just a hypothetical situation uh, where there's two potentially opposing viewpoints, right? Obviously, you guys are both um, in, in the camp thinking that J.K. Rowling is full of shit, right? But I'm going to assume that there's a, another camp that is equally vehemently uh, supportive of whatever it was that she said. Again, I, I don't fall down on either side of the fence because I don't know the details of the of the of what she said or what she didn't say, but that's not important to the argument. The argument is is she should should she be able to say it? And and I think that she should be able to say whatever her opinion is. And if people want to counter her opinion or shit all over her on the internet, why the fuck not? I, I don't yeah. give a fuck, right? Yeah. The question but, is, my question is, why is J.K. Rowling's one voice more important than the hundreds of thousands of voices that say, shut up, J.K. Rowling? Well, it's obviously no celebrity. It's obviously celebrity yeah. is why, right? Yeah. 
And and besides, you're not going to fucking cancel J.K. Rowling. She's worth more than a billion dollars. <laughs> no, I mean, you know? it's, I don't know. It's we'll just see insane. what kind of other stupid shit she says. It's just insane that you. I mean, the people think that they could they could can't. I mean, that they could be canceled. I mean, it's J.K. Rowling you already Jeff has. Bezos, you know? J.K. Rowling already has more money than the Queen of England. Yeah. 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 So it's it, it's kind of a it's kind of a moot point, but I I think that I think that it's this the the pile on the like here's the problem right everybody has said stupid things in their life except for obviously you two <laughs> <laughs> like, like i get up in the morning and usually have to think about who i have to apologize for what i've said the previous day right yeah i say stupid gone, shit all I've, the time I've gone right that yeah i go through that occasionally sure so so the whole point being is is it really is it really acceptable as a society that you should be held accountable for something that you possibly said six months ago to six years ago in the public eye and hold that up for scrutiny and, and essentially be lambasted for it? I mean, is this well? There's this two things. J.K. Rowling could have said, "I'm sorry. I obviously said something that you know shows that I'm not fully educated in this area and I'll try to be more mindful in the future. Yes. Instead, she, you know, signs on with this group of people who have also been targeted in public culture for saying stupid things um, to this Harper letter that's basically like, quit picking on us because our livelihood mm -hmm. depends on us being able to say what we want. It's like a call out fragility or something like this. Yeah, like it was maybe very, accountability would look like, yes, I'm sorry. And I took some of my money and offered it to support people who I offended sure. who already have like a lifetime of Solved. issues that they're dealing with. Like, how about just shut the fuck up and apologize? Yeah. Fixed it. You can just fix it instead of, yeah. instead of going back into your corner and folding your arms and saying, no, I should be able to say yes. whatever I want and, and so not, not suffer any repercussions. And the one, yeah, the so, one person who so said, "Oh, that, go ahead." I think the only, I think the only place that we disagree here is, is I vehemently would support their right to say whatever, but I also think that they should be prepared to bear the consequences of that statement, right? Yeah. Like, I, I don't have any, I don't have any qualms with that, but I, I, I just don't. What, what am I trying to say? I, I think that they should be able to. And frankly, what the fuck does anybody care what J.K. Rowling has to say anyways? <laughs> I, I mean, really. Why that is kind of an undercurrent care? of this whole conversation. It's like, why subscribe when there's so much? It's like, you know, I'm like throwing in a little Google here and there of names you guys are talking about. It's all right. like political commentator, like someone who has a stupid opinion. Yes. Who probably doesn't have a very wide education on the other side. You know, like, just like, no, oh, like, don't, don't listen. Tucker I don't Carlson. care what JK Rowling says. It sounds like she has bad opinions and is undereducated. Yeah. You know, she like unsubscribe. <laughs> she writes kids books. I mean, yeah. there you go. She's a Christian, isn't she? Sorry. Oh yeah. I, I mean, know. she's probably she got a lot. Of, yeah, she's probably got a lot of interesting <laughs> ideas. Um, so Noam Chomsky, Noam Chomsky also signed on to this letter, and he got some backlash for doing that because, uh, and you know, he he basically said, right now it's people and hate speech that are being targeted, but. 30, 40 years ago, it was anti-war speech that was being targeted. And, you know, we were, this is where the free speech movement in Berkeley came from, is people were trying, people were, were being canceled, you know, in real life, McCarthyism, the Red Scare, and we're, they were canceling people, getting people fired for being pinkos, for being commies. So think about being on the other side of this cancel culture, 
and how dangerous that is for you when you actually believe the things that you're saying. I mean, and it's like, I go, well, yeah, Noam, you're right. And, you know, he's, you know, Noam Chomsky has defended the rights of Holocaust deniers to say what they want to say because he, he is, you know, an absolute free speech advocate. And by signing onto this letter, he's basically saying, you know, firing these people and ruining their lives for something they said is going too far. And I sort of agree with that, but I'm always willing to give give people like three chances or three or four chances to hang themselves. And after the third or fourth time they do something like that without remorse or or trying to fix the problem, I'm like, yeah, just fire that person. You can't cancel that person. Yeah, but I have a certain tolerance level. Yeah. The real problem, though, is who who makes that decision, right? Like. Well, like, here's, this is the craziest thing. Who gets to be canceled? This is the craziest thing is Tucker Carlson last week. Tucker Carlson was going off on cancel culture all last week. Okay. And then somebody unearthed old social media posts from the head writer on his news staff that were racist and homophobic. And what did Tucker Carlson do? Did he defend that head writer's free speech? No, that guy was fired the next day by Tucker Carlson. The guy who was saying cancel culture needs to stop now fired his own head writer for doing the thing he said people should not be fired for. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's where we are in this debate right now. Yeah. Yeah. Folks are just really (laughs) afraid of apologizing, um, you know, saying, oops, I'm sorry. Like, I'm learning, you know, and then like having an opportunity to, I think, like, a little bit of the cancel culture situation is not having enough nuance in what happens next. You know, like what do we do after we, you know, just as an example, like after, you know, somebody in our tribe abuses someone else, do we just immediately throw them off the cliff or do we have a conversation with them or do we put them in the hut for a while alone to think about what they did and we yeah. come and see them and we bring them snacks and check in, time out. you know, like when do they come? <laughs> What's that? Time out. It's just a, time out. Just a short time, time out. out cancel. Yeah. yeah. You need to take yeah. a time out. But we also need to make sure that they don't throw any, you know, they don't abuse anybody else in the tribe. Oh, so, God. like, how do we prioritize the people who are abused in the tribe and then also, like, you know, make sure that the other person can, you know, get healing of whatever reason that they were abusing someone? I also feel like there's a lot of denial in the culture. Like, somebody can say something that is obviously homophobic or obviously racist or transphobic. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when people push back on that, they go, oh, I'm not, but I'm not racist. I mean, I would just love for Tucker Carlson to say, okay, you got me. I'm racist, and I like to say racist things. I like to promote racist dog whistles because that's fun to me, and I like it, and I actually believe in in my racist ideas. I would go, (laughs) all right, Tucker, I get it. Fine. You keep doing what you're doing. What I hate is the whole denial of, no, yeah. this wasn't racist. I didn't mean this to be offensive. And it's just like, okay, after the second or third time, I don't believe you anymore. Yeah. And I don't want to listen to you lies. I don't want to listen to you gaslight me. I don't want to listen to your stupid sniveling, whatever it is. <laughs> you know, the only the only Tucker Carlson that I'm really uh, familiar <laughs> with is um, when he appeared on, or when Jimmy Dore actually uh, featured, I guess, featured him on the show. Because Jimmy Dore... Um, uh, was surprised, and I, I don't know if you guys know who Jimmy Dore is, but he's a real left-leaning commentator. And he um, 
was really surprised because Tucker, Tucker Carlson actually got something right is what he said. And those are the <laughs> clips of Tucker that I've seen. So maybe two or three, but it's, it's again, now I, I feel like, I feel like the real problem comes down to this, right? Is are conservatives entitled to their opinions, even if we, or if we disagree with them? Yeah, absolutely. But I don't like, the deception and the gaslighting. If they're yeah. racist, just come out and say you're racist. Yeah. And don't, and <laughs> you know, that's why, I mean, even Steve Bannon, as vile as he is, he basically comes out and says, yeah, racism is, uh, is good. It's a, it's a good ideology. And I'm like, well, okay, I don't agree with you, but at least you're not trying to, you know, yeah, you said it. Yeah. you're not trying to mind fuck me <laughs> pretending you're not racist. Um, and that's the way, and you know, are pretending that you're not a homophobe, uh, or that you actually really love immigrants, but you just hate people crossing the border illegally. I mean, come uh, on, yeah. what, what is, what's, go- what's going on well, with the discourse in this country? It's so crazy. The denial that people are in. Well, well it's so interesting though, because, uh, remember Dave Chappelle almost, they tried to cancel Dave Chappelle for, uh, remarks against transgender, transgender folks. Hmm. Yeah. But then at the same time. He he comes out with that what is it the eight fifty four or eight forty five yeah and essentially becomes the spokesperson for a movement in in some ways in a or little he, bit he, gives, he lends his voice to a movement I should say I'm right? I'm always willing to give comedians a lot of room to say stuff um, especially if you know someone like Dave Chappelle ha- has said you know transphobic things in the past but he comes out and says. I'm sorry, guys. I think it's weird. I think it's funny. And I'm like, okay, I, I appreciate that. You're trying to work through this on stage in an honest way um, instead of just being transphobic in private and, and not working through it. I mean, that's, there's, there's, a, I, I, there's a little bit of integrity there. That's a fine conversation to have. Um, so, so I think you really hit the nail on the head because at the end of the day, Dave Chappelle knows that he's an entertainer. Yeah. But Tucker, Tucker Carlson doesn't necessarily know that he's an entertainer. Oh, I think he. <laughs> I think he is. I think he does know. I think if you actually took Tucker Carlson out of the Fox News room and tried to have an intellectual conversation with him, like maybe on the podcast that you were listening to, you could have an educated conversation with him that was actually kind of enlightening and reasonable but when he's in there in the studio he has to play he has to be that person for that audience um and uh you know a lot of people say well maybe he's not racist he just uses racist dog whistles for his audience and i'm like well then that specifically makes him a racist (laughs) does it matter how he feels about black people if he promotes racist dog whistles you are ipso facto Mm -hmm. a racist Mm -hmm. mm-hmm Well, that's that's the real problem is that his audience doesn't realize that he's an entertainer. Well, yeah, and even that they they don't care because he says the things that they want to hear. I mean, that's the, that's, that's crazy. That's the it's crazy because that's that's just it though. Is that at the same time, at the same time, this is this is the concern, right? Is that is that what we're hearing or what liberals hear or what people that we generally agree with are only hearing what they want to hear. I have a feeling that the people locked into the Fox News environment are, <laughs> I mean, they're more locked into their ecosystem than than many people. But, you know, like you said, there's other people on the other side of the spectrum who are just completely locked into MSNBC or they're one conspiracy group on Facebook where they get all their mm-hmm. news or um, Backdoor has become, is it Backdoor? 
Backpage? Back no, it's this. It's the neighborhood app, and I don't think it's Backdoor. That sounds like a sounds like a, a nasty dating app. Um, <laughs> oh, neighborhood. No, I have this. What's it? I always call it neighborhood. What it's, is it actually called? <laughs> ne- ne- uh, next door. Next door, right? not neighbor. Door. Yeah, I call it. <laughs> next door yeah a lot of these a lot of these um uh antifa scare propaganda was going out on next door like people saying oh antifa's going to be coming to our neighborhood to burn stuff down and loot and you see i see people going hysterical on 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 twitter um they're like oh my neighborhood is getting crazy everyone's arming up they think antifa's coming to the neighborhood because somebody on back door said they're they're renting (laughs) u-haul vans and they're moving into the neighborhood and i'm like what and this, I don't know who did this, but this is legendary of all time. Uh, somebody posted uh, in all of these Patriot forums that Antifa was planning a big flag-burning rally at the Gettysburg Memorial. Did you see this? Crazy that Antifa was going to be handing out uh, kid-sized flags for kids to throw into the bonfire on 4th of July. <laughs> right? They were going to be having a big flag-burning party. So the whole like alt-right patriot movement mobilized to go to Gettysburg on 4th of July and got there to stop Antifa. And no, there were no Antifa. No Antifa showed up. It was just a complete prank. And I thought... That was that's brilliant. The people yeah. <laughs> that people actually fell for it. I have no idea who pulled that prank, but uh, if anybody does know, please let me know because that is uh, that's fucking legendary. I mean, the fact that they got them all to go out to like the Gettysburg Memorial, <laughs> I think, is brilliant. Instead of like having them, you know, go into like a small town somewhere and marshal up, uh, I think that's a great prank. But not not like having people in like the suburbs or in small towns scared. I think that that's not good. Those pranks are yeah, bad, so, but it it does it does beg the question, right? It does beg the question: Does the do the perpetrators of that said prank um, should they be flagged? Should they be platformed for for perpetuating uh, this this prank that could have potentially ended in some sort of violent situation by rallying a bunch of people together um, uh, uh, ostensibly to oppose this? this protest that never actually took place. And then maybe some that somehow it spills out into some violence or something like this. Obviously yeah. it didn't, but right. You see what I'm saying? Like the yeah. deplatforming, does it go both ways? And, and yes, it obviously doesn't, absolutely right? it does. I mean, if, if these, if these pranks started turning violent and there was like, if, you know, if it turns out anonymous did it, I don't know who did it. I'm just throwing it out there. Uh, if it turned out sure. that, that you could track the person who did this and they had like, you know, and I don't even think these, these, these people, these, these aren't the people who are being deplatformed because these are anonymous actors, right? They're not like people who make mm-hmm. their living off of, off of, you know, giving, giving opinions, mm-hmm. right? These are people who, who can't get deplatformed because they are essentially anonymous. And if they want to come back online, they can just create an alt with a new email address and they can get back online because they have nothing vested in their social status, right? They have nothing vested in their social status. So they can do this kind of stuff and kind of get away with it below the radar because nobody really- Chaotic neutral. Nobody cares. Yeah, they're definitely chaotic neutral. Nobody cares who they are. I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of patriots that are, that are looking for these guys, but, uh, or gals, sorry. I would just like to point out that Hilla actually just made a Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> reference. She's learning. She's learning. 
All right, guys. Is that where you were this weekend? Hello, were you playing uh, a <laughs> marathon? Yeah. You know, I like to be the dungeon master, though. Because <laughs> you're, you're very creative. <laughs> All right. It's been great talking to you guys. We'll do it again in a couple weeks. And that was another episode of Nation. Thanks, you guys. Thank you.